Hello, and welcome to Potter Not, a podcast for those with conflicted Harry Potter feelings and those who have absorbed Harry Potter through cultural osmosis and want to dive into the good and the bad. I am Zoe, she, her, a jaded fan and still a fan of this book. Uh, I am E, my pronouns are she, they, and I am a conflicted fan. I'm Adela, my pronouns are she, her, and I am a tired fan. <laughs> Last week we were all jaded, and this week we have some <laughs> some new descriptions. Yeah. <laughs> Which is wild, considering that I think we were all like really relatively positive on last week's chapters and i don't think that's going to be the mood today no no um so i did start by saying that i am still a fan of this book and that does hold but um my love for this book stops at the end of the chapter the dementors kiss Mm, i think mine stops earlier that's fair (laughs) i love the end of the chapter dementors kiss and then the reveal that we get later in Hermione's secret that it was yeah. Harry. Those paired pieces, I, I really appreciate how Harry approaches the situation from both angles. And his desperation in the Dementor's Kiss, I think, is it's important. And it does not stand alone as the only moment like this across the series. And yeah. I think that it is well represented as part of his character, and that the the fact that he learns that he has to cast the Patronus charm because he's the one who always cast the Patronus charm in this mm-hmm. time loop. Yeah, so, so we let's... read chapter twenty, <laughs> the Dementor's Kiss, <laughs> and chapter twenty one, Hermione's <laughs> Secret, and chapter twenty two, Owl Post again. I just have so many things to say. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. There's a lot to say. But I started with that because uh, one of the first, thi- first things that E had uh, put in our chat is that... The first thing that I messaged Zoe and Adela after reading these chapters was, I am very excited to talk about this because I almost entirely hated it. Yep. <laughs> Let's dig in. <laughs> that, is, that is true. <laughs> um, yeah. As sort of an overall vibe, I really wish the story had ended before these three chapters happened, or in a different, completely different way than these three chapters. Actually, let's just, hang on. How, how would you have liked to end the story? I, let's yeah. say it just ends with Ron and Lupin are chained to Pettigrew. I mean, I might, I wouldn't have done that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll, I'll back up a couple steps further, maybe. But, so, I think this is going to get into one of my major gripes with these chapters and with this book as a whole is how criminal justice is treated and that's a huge factor in my like disappointment with these chapters because there is no justice in the system that we see and there's explicitly no justice right because um Dumbledore like flat out says to Harry and Hermione like, the system is broken. We cannot prove serious Black's innocence. Yeah. You have to, like, commit a wizard crime of your own to free him. And then hopefully everyone will forget about it because he's run away. So what, what, what would you have, liked, you have liked to have happened? <laughs> I mean, what I want will, would have required an entire, like, reframing of this book. Right, because I want Azkaban to be like actually examined for the horrific place that it is. I want rehabilitative justice given to Peter Pettigrew. I want, you know, Sirius Black's name to be cleared. You know, you know, all of the the thing that like that can't happen in the system that that yeah. the author has set up here. I, I find yeah. it, and maybe this is just because it's 2020, but I find it deeply unsatisfying that Pettigrew gets away. Like, the, I guess he gets a personal reckoning with the people that he most directly harmed, but that's not... It, it's, it's, not, not present, it's not It's not presented as um, closure, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Lupin gets... Lupin resigns before he has the chance to get fired. And Sirius Black has to go live as a hermit for the rest of his life. And like that's so it is, yeah. That's just yeah. It is a book with no closure. 
There's a book with no closure, and and maybe it's not supposed to feel good, but none of the end of this book feels good. The lack of closure makes sense for the rest of the plot of the books, but also I agree with all of your changes that you would have made. Yeah, and I think it definitely does feel like the author got to this point and was like, oh no, I still have four more books I want to write. I can't actually give any of this a good ending. I think, like, this is not my first time critically reading these books in a sort of analysis and lit crit style, and it is certainly not the first time I have been critically reading these books from a social justice standpoint. But I think I think the love I have for this book is more and more nostalgic and less yeah. and less actual. Yeah, that's exactly the way that I'm feeling, too. Like, yeah. I am still a fan of this book because there are still moments in this book that top the charts in the series overall for oh, yeah. me as things that stand out that I remember and that I love. But as a whole, I think this is a broken book in a way that I didn't realize as a kid. Yeah. And not I mean, just because of the social justice brokenness. But I think I have said plot hole more times about this <laughs> book than about either of the first two. And I think that that is not good, obviously. Yeah. I mean, I don't get me wrong. I think this is by far my favorite of the three books we've read so far. Yeah, that okay. doesn't surprise like, me. Like, this is a way more interesting book than the first two. To mm. me. I mean, this is a, a pretty trite thing to say, but it's like, you're the most critical of the things you love the most. Yeah. So I don't want it to come across as, like, me just, like, dumping so hard on this book in our last episode on it. I don't want that to outweigh the amount that I really liked it earlier in <laughs> in earlier chapters. Like, there's mm-hmm. really, really good stuff in here. Which makes it all the more disappointing when... Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, for context here, I'm, I'm actually pulling out book four from my shelf to have next to me. As we... <laughs> the sound of picking up a, a later Harry Potter book. <laughs> Wait, yeah. one of those books. <laughs> I, book, book four is literally part of the stack that my microphone is sitting on. So right I now. gave E a copy. I had a boxed set one through four of British editions. And um, I think book four makes up half the, half the size of the set all on its own. Oh, certainly. Also, just as a side note, I think this is the first one to explicitly foreshadow the upcoming book. Oh, yeah, with World Cup. Because they do, like, Ron and and Harry are specifically talking about the World Cup, which I know is a plot point in book four. So, I don't know if that's just the point that she had gotten to with, like, having specific plots already in mind. Like, she's already published three of these. She knows she's getting publishing Mm -hmm. deals for the rest. Yeah. She can... She can sort of do that. She can do that. Anyway, (laughs) we've got a lot of talking points today. We do have a lot of talking points. Um, e, would you like to start with, uh, I regret wondering how Buckbeat's story and Hermione's story were going to play into things, which is yeah, your so, first talking point. So you asked me last time wh- how I, what I thought was going to happen in the last three chapters. And I was like, well, there's these two side plots that haven't wrapped up. And I wonder if they're going to tie into the main story. And boy, howdy, did she shoehorn <laughs> them into the main story. I'll tell you what. Just... Just shove them, right them in right at the end. Yeah, I I regret wondering about that because it was, again, deeply unsatisfying. Um, the last, so I know you said you really liked the Dementor's Kiss mm-hmm. chapter. I really disliked that. Just the the fact that it was like, oh no, everything's going too well. We need last minute conflict. Mm. Yeah. I think I liked it because it was foreshadowed really well by all of the characters mentioning things. Like, all the things that happen in it are so clearly set up by the pra- sure. by the chapters previous, right? Sure, So, yeah. like, of course Harry and Sirius can't move in together. Of course they can't. He's a convict, right? Like, this is, right. this is a world where convicts don't get happy endings or right. don't get to sit with their family. Whatever, Honestly, whatever, it feels right? a bit like a slap in the face that the author even put that conversation in there. Exactly. I think it's meant to be... Uh, heartbreaking for Harry. It is. It definitely like, is. Yeah. Why? Uh, why? You know. <laughs> you know. Um, <laughs> I do think that that was set up well by the previous chapters, though. Our our exposition chapters. 
I'm just tired. <laughs> I know. You know, why why build a world and then explicitly say, look, here's an idea of how it could be a better one. And then, nope, mm-hmm. you don't get that. Ah, uh, yes, Man, tragedy. <laughs> it's 2020. I don't want this. I feel like this is an example of one of the things that I used to hear a lot when I was like reading books about writing fiction and things like that and also in like creative writing classes where they're like it's more fun to write or it's like more interesting to write tragedy than it is to write like happiness and no it's not it's just harder to write Um, comedy and like if you don't know what to do in this scene make something sad happen (laughs) like i do i just i like that it's set up well because you learn how much Sirius loved Harry and loved his family. And so, I mean, like, I, of course he's going to offer this. And you uh, you just learned that Snape makes him this, makes Lupin this goblet every whatever, but they're both yep. there. And, like, it's so obvious that he's going to turn. And then when the Dementors come and Harry cannot find the strength to create a Patronus, but something in the end comes anyway and he thinks it's his dad and then you find out i think that the moment where he and hermione discover that it was him i think sort of folds into this chapter in my mind Mm -hmm. because i think that that's also foreshadowed so well with like the long lead up to what is harry's patronus and the long lead up to what does he hear when he casts that spell and i think that you want this book to have more of a, a sense of closure and i think the reason i like this literally four page chapter <laughs> yeah it's so short is that it has some of the closure from the previous chapters in it for me that's fair and so it feels like it sort of it closes the loop on a lot of pieces that you were expecting and then of course it immediately reopens <laughs> all of them but i think yeah. for me this is this is a closure chapter sure i think for me it yeah. was just the the I don't know. For me, the, the thing that stuck out about that chapter was the emotional beat of everything mm. falling apart more than the... Mm, the story pieces coming the, together? The narrative satisfaction of things coming together. Yeah. That's fair. For me, it was like Pettigrew escaping. Um, the, the thing you find out on the first page of the next chapter, which is that Snape, like, turns everything to his advantage. Um, you know, Lupin has to go undergo his transformation, which he's been like... Dreading. Super dreading and trying to avoid this entire time. Yeah. This mm-hmm. just sucks for everyone. Yeah. It's um for being what, four pages long or whatever, it is it is full of tragedy and it is also full of like small It's not even that they wrap up, it's just that the thing that you expected to happen happens. Mm-hmm. So you also asked, I wanted to bring this up. This is page three seventy nine, it's the second page of the Dementor's Kiss. You asked if we ever saw black as like physically described as someone who wasn't fresh out of Mm. torture for 12 years. Yeah, Um, there's a moment. Black's gaunt face broke into the first true smile Harry had seen upon it. The difference it made was startling, as though a person 10 years younger were shining through the starved mask. For a moment, he was recognizable as the man who had laughed at Harry's parents' wedding. And I I just think that's nice that he gets to see that. So Brief glimpse of hope before it's shattered again. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, why? But speaking of how Hermione and Buckbeak's story, yeah, tie in. Um, can go for it. Okay, okay. I was just gonna say, as I was reading this chapter today, her, the Hermione's secret chapter. I've been playing a lot of TTRPGs recently that resolve that revolve around like pure chaos and like random chance. Just, like, combining unlikely things to, like, solve your problems. And that's what this chapter read like to me. It was like, oh, we need to solve this problem of, like, rescue this person. Let's get this magical creature and fly it up there. Because this makes sense. And also be going back in time at the same time. (laughs) Yeah. Of course. Of course this makes sense. These are the only loose plot threads we have left. Dumbledore's instructions... I want. I would like to read them, please. <laughs> please. Please. So uh, we didn't actually give a plot summary, 
Should we give a really quick plot summary of these final three chapters? Okay. For anyone who doesn't remember. Please the give us the summary. entire gaggle of people that has, that has converged in the Shrieking Jack have to uh, make their way back from there to the Hogwarts grounds. As they emerge from the Long and Willow entrance, uh, full moon, light is there, and Lupin starts to transform. Of course, Lupin has shackled himself to Peter and Ron. Um, and so in the doing of that, uh, Peter gets free. Like, Lupin turns into, turns into his werewolf form, runs away into the woods. Peter runs away. After transforming, Sirius pursues Peter. Harry pursues them both. The mentors come. Harry and Hermione, who has followed him, are unable to resist the mentors until a perfectly formed Patronus gets shot at them. From what we later learn is Harry coming from back in time, standing on the other side of the pond. Or That's chapter 20. It's like four pages. I probably almost said as <laughs> yes. much text as there is in that chapter. Uh, then yeah. <laughs> uh, Harry and Hermione wake up in the infirmary, where Snape is loudly boasting about how he solved the whole problem outside. Madame Pomfrey is, is force-feeding the chocolate. Poor Ron is super banged up and is still passed out. Dumbledore comes in and is like, look, I believe you about Sirius Black, but we have literally no way to counteract Snape's version of events. Uh, and this is where <laughs> Adela is going to re- <laughs> read Dumbledore's. Dumbledore, we ha- there is literally nothing we can do now. Time to send these two 13-year-olds into mortal peril. <laughs> So they go back in time to four chapters ago, Buckbeak's execution, steal Buckbeak out from under the noses of, of all those officials, wait near the Whomping Willow until the group has returned from Shrieking Shack. Harry realizes that it's actually him who's supposed to go save future past himself from the Dementors, so he goes and does that, and then they fly up to the top of the tower where Sirius Black is being held, and make him fly away on Buckbeak and barely sneak back into the hospital wing before Snape and, and company, furious about Black's disappearance, uh, come back and find them. Perfectly innocent right where they left them. And the last chapter, Snape yells a lot, and they go home. Yes, Snape yells a lot. Lupin resigns. Uh, there's a very touching final conversation with Harry and Lupin. Harry and Ron foreshadow the next book. And the end. Um, shall I read this? Please. Please, please read this. That So Dumbledore tells him nothing can be done. And then he says to Hermione, what we need is more time. And then Hermione is like, oh, now, pay attention, said Dumbledore, speaking very low and very clearly. Sirius is locked in F- Professor Flitwick's office on the seventh floor, ter- 13th window from the right of the West Tower. If all goes well, you will be able to save more than one innocent life tonight. But remember this, both of you, you must not be seen. Miss Granger, you know the law. You know what is at stake. You must not be seen. Harry's confused. And then Dumbledore says, um, I'm going to lock you in. It is five minutes to midnight. Miss Granger, three turns should do it. Good luck. And that's it. <laughs> presumably, presumably he's being secretive because Pomfrey is. But they're listening. not. Not they're not. I guess he wouldn't know that until he goes outside. But it's just, if it's such an urgent task, which it is, why doesn't he? And he's like, before that, he's like, we can't talk about anything else. We have to talk about the like immediately what you have to do because there is no time. And then he's like, listen to yeah. all these like very vague clues and try to figure out what you need to do rather than just being like, hey, go get Buckbeat, fly it, fly him up to, to pick up Sirius and then like yeah. let him go. Like literally you could say it in one sentence and it'd be fine. But Dumbledore always has to do this. Like this is not, this is also, in character for Dumbledore. Also, I just think it is worth pointing out. Also just fucking stun Peter Pettigrew. Just stun, <laughs> just Dumbledore. Yeah. Here's a spell I think you should know. It's called Stupefy. <laughs> try it. Try it on Ron. He's waking up and we don't need him. Wow. <laughs> Poor Ron. Yeah. No, I, yeah. I, there's... I, there are so many spells that uh, come yeah. so quickly in the beginning of book four. Yeah. Just like in the first few chapters of book four. That... <laughs> yep. I, okay. Okay. Yeah. I'll, never, uh-huh. I'll never forgive her for that. And for so many other things, but also for this. Even if we allow that they don't know Stupefy yet. Like there is... Very, very little good reason for pedigree. Except for future plot points. (laughs) But we need him for future plot points. And then we have this whole conversation as after Harry and Hermione have gone back in time as they parse through Dumbledore's instructions and figure out what he wanted them to do. Uh, Which I think Zoe described as uh, Harry and Hermione sharing one brain brain cell. (laughs) Yes, so Harry and Hermione create to combine one working brain Ron. and Ron is extraneous. Yes. But this is, this is, E, Harry and Hermione combining to create one working brain yeah. is something you should keep in mind. Yeah. In your brain. Yeah. For the future. This, I mean. Harry and Hermione going off an adventure somewhat 
and having to like sit around and do nothing and have it be a little bit boring to read for a little while. (laughs) Also something you should keep in mind (laughs) for later. All right. Uh, Let's talk about time travel. Let's. Okay. Rules of time travel don't make sense uh, for the following reasons. In this essay, I will. This is a plot. This is a talking point that I have said here. So um, Dumbledore says, you know the rules. You must not be seen. Why the fuck not? Are you, are you telling me that uh-huh. nobody, this is, okay. <laughs> you know the theory that everybody who acts in a horror movie, that those characters have never seen a horror movie? Yeah, that has to be true in this book for any concept of yes. any kind of science fiction ever. Because why the fuck else would Hermione, who is a muggle who knows born, that she has the time Hermione, turner, who is a muggle born, who probably watched Doctor Who right, growing like up, Doctor Who exists, science fiction novels <laughs> yeah. exist. It's it's the '90s. Science fiction novels for children exist by now. Yes, and like I understand that Harry would be deeply confused by this. Like, he would not know what is going on. And if he saw himself, he would be freaked out. Mm. But Hermione would not. Hermione absolutely would not. And also, if she was like, oh, by the way, the way I've been getting to class, this is called a time turner. Ron and Harry would be like, oh, that makes so much sense. Hey, how how you doing? What happened in three hours? This is not a hugely difficult concept to grasp. Especially since now we know that time travel exists. The reason that it breaks stories is because the rules around time travel are dumb. <laughs> this is, this um, is important so to me. The rules? Someone who has watched the Deep Space Nine episode where Miles O'Brien goes back in time and dies of radiation and a Miles O'Brien of two hours later replaces him <laughs> in the timeline and nothing happens. <laughs> time travel rules are dumb. Yeah. I mean, just have fun <laughs> with it. Pivot to the... Pottermore. We should talk page about the Pottermore page because yeah. JKR literally wrote on this yeah. page like, "I did not know what I was dealing with when I wrote this, and I regret it." Yeah. Um. Yeah. And I destroyed all time turners in a later book, so I could. <laughs> yes. Also. Also. <laughs> also, you can't go back for more than a few yeah. hours. So whatever the fuck yeah. happened to Cursed Child is not. Oh, is there I'm time travel in that? Oh no. Oh my god. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm I can't. I can't. I encourage I, you to read No, this. don't, don't read actually. That's yeah, full I'm of stories. That's full yeah. of uh, um, spoilers. Don't read it yet, but it would be int- it would be fun to to like decimate it in the yeah. future. But um, so the the problems that JKR sets up with time magic. Like the the consequences that she builds in in this Pottermore page, which I don't think are these are probably post hoc because I don't remember any like actual explanation of why you can't let people see you in the. Yeah, it just that you, it'll, it'll scare you. you I think accuse you. I guess of forbidden magic or whatever. The thing she sets up is that time travel, doing it and then returning, ages you that much. So even if you like the first person who did it traveled back five centuries or whatever and then when she returned to the present was 500 years old and Uh that was so like catastrophic Mm -hmm. that they forbid everything and then also time broke (laughs) oh wait i wanted to read that entire sure those entire two paragraphs do it so this is the explanation for why uh the laws are so strict around time travel and why you can only go back a few hours Um, All attempts to travel back further than a few hours have resulted in catastrophic harm to the witch or wizard involved. It was not realized for many years why time travelers over great distances never survived their journeys. Also, that's a confusing sentence. She means great, like, length of time, not distance. Anyway, um, all such experiments have been abandoned since 1899 when Eloise Mintumble uh, became trapped for a period of five days in the year 1402. Now we understand that her body had aged five centuries in its return to the present and irreparably damaged. She died in St. Mungo's Hospital for Magical Maladies and Injuries shortly after we managed to retrieve her. What is more, her five days in the distant past caused great disturbance to the life paths of all those she met, changing the course of their lives so dramatically that no fewer than 25 of their descendants vanished into the in the present, having been unborn, aka Back to the Future. And then, 
Finally, there were alarming signs during the days following Madame Mintumble's recovery that time itself had been disturbed by such a serious breach of its laws. Tuesday following her reappearance lasted two and a half full days, whereas Thursday shot by in the space of four hours. The Ministry of Magic had a great deal of trouble and blah, 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 covering that up. That part, that part is interesting. If there was anything yeah, in this book so, that was like, yeah. you might... That doesn't you match might up. Mess up time by doing this. That would be super cool. But instead, it's just the like butterfly effect stuff of oh, you can't let them see you. Yeah. So with Hermione going back, like okay, it says in on this page that you can't go back more than a few hours, and Hermione only ever goes back for school. She only ever goes back one hour at a time. Um, but like going back one hour at a time at least twice a day five days a week for an entire year that has to do something yeah right yeah like (laughs) i would believe i would be more interested if as well as the hermione's like weird timetable stuff if there had also been just like weird time stuff scattered into the previous and i feel like that would have meant that that had to be a much bigger plot than just a small side plot that it was. <laughs> I mean, like, it also could be... Why am I inventing more time travel rules? It also could be that if you go back a large amount of time, then you age. But the reason that it's restricted to a few hours is because that doesn't age you. I mean, Harry, Harry and yeah. Hermione presumably are now three hours older than Ron. And Hermione is an hour older for every hour yeah. that she went back in time. Not because of the time mess up, but because she lived an extra right. hour for every hour that she went back in time. So she is a full year at least older than she was. <laughs> anyway, which I think I mentioned before. But um, yeah. I was going to say something else. What was it? Oh, I was just going to say, like, the reason why we don't get more of the time nonsense in this book, aside from the fact that I don't think she had thought about the time rules that much at this point i mean she says that she hasn't she never did at this point um it's because the time travel is purely there to solve the problem at the end and if yeah it was a bigger plot point then yeah yeah. this is this is just chekhov's chekhov's hermione's (laughs) scheduling yeah i mean as she says on this on this pottermore page she did not think about it at all she went into it like super lightheartedly Um, and, like, made a ton of problems. So here's an interesting thought experiment. Uh-huh. <laughs> what, if, if, what if the time uh-huh. turners didn't exist? What if there was no time travel in this book? How would the ending have been resolved? Well. With, like, if she still wanted to do the same similar, like, plot, the similar, like, rescue, Buckbeak, etc. Do you want my actual yes. answer? Something from the fourth book. My answer would be Hermione would be taking a normal number of classes for a 13-year-old, would not be super stressed out, would listen to her friends, and they would probably solve the problem a lot earlier. Yeah. I mean, this is not, I don't think this is a huge spoiler that something exists in the world that is a literal truth serum. Oh, yeah. You gotta have, (laughs) you gotta have one of those. E, you're gonna love the name of this truth Uh serum. Are you ready? Oh, God. Veritaserum. Get that out of here. Anyway. <laughs> literally just one drop. Yeah. Literally just one drop in Sirius yeah. Black's. Like, I mean, it's even just... for, like, put it on Harry and Hermione. Like. Yeah. Yeah. There's just so many things that inc- get introduced in book four that break Which book are three like in a super major way. Concepts. It's not like this is super new yeah. ground to tread. Yeah. It's, it's all just incredibly contrived. So there's that. So there's that. <laughs> is that enough about time travel? <laughs> I or so. I mean, like... I think it's enough about time for now, yeah. anyway. I just, I um, love, I love I just do... pointing out that she did, she did, does, like... She's like, oh, I messed up creating time travel. Better destroy every possible chance of doing time travel again. Honestly, <laughs> honestly, yeah, good solution. Uh, y- yeah, I guess. <laughs> or she could have not been a coward and given every wizard a time turner and just and just <laughs> explored that world. Yeah. Uh, we have to just let uh, it happen. I don't want to, but we have to read the cursed child at some point. Oh my god. <laughs> 
I refuse to purchase that book. Us- um, I will. I will. Wait. I'm pretty sure that someone has made a PDF of I'm it sure online you can, that you I'm can sure read you for can free. Yeah. If we get to ten thousand dollars on our Patreon, we'll give. <laughs> we'll get Zoe the cursed child, and then a week of therapy afterwards. Thank you. I'll need it. Um, oh, the, man. the other thing that I wanted to say um, about this chat, this is a very small moment that I was very frustrated with, and then we can move on to a very important topic, such as werewolf racism. Mm-hmm. This, this is page 405 in Hermione's Secret in the American Edition. They've just rescued Buckbeak, and they're hiding in the forest. And um, they see Lupin go into the uh-huh. Whomping Willow hole. He uses a stick, he goes in, it closes behind him. And Harry turns to Hermione and he says, if I just dashed out now and grabbed it, his invisibility cloak, Snape would never be able to get it. And she says, Harry, we mustn't be seen. Hagrid wanders by. Which is the, like, narrative explanation for why Harry couldn't leave the woods at that yeah. moment. But it says, two minutes later, you're telling me he couldn't have fucking sprinted yeah. out there? Yeah, yeah. Also- And then worn it back? Yeah. Also, why would it matter if Hagrid saw him? Hagrid knew that Harry was out yeah. on the grounds and has an invisibility cloak. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like this is not, this is another one of those plot holes that breaks the story for me. Like, there's so many in this book, which I nostalgically love, there are so many tiny plot holes like mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. that break, that just break the story. That, like, the characters don't have the logic here. Like, Hermione saying, that clearly Sirius Black purchased this firebolt. Mm-hmm. In what fucking yeah. world does a convict, and like we know it to be true right. now, but in what fucking world does a convict have that right. ability? How does Hermione? And so why that? logically would Hermione, this logical human, think that? Like there's just too many of these tiny jumps in this book for me. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot. Should we talk about how bad she is at writing Werewolves? AIDS oh metaphors? My uh-huh. Oh my god. So, so we read uh, Remus Lupin's Pottermore page, which, by the way, if you would like to read, be give yourself a good 15 minutes. Uh, it's a long one. Long. Give yourself, like, half an hour if you want to actually read the text. It, this is an... This is... This is a biography yeah. of... This is not... Yeah. This is not a wiki entry. This is a biography. Yeah. And this is like, it is significantly longer than the other quote unquote um, biographies we've read. Like McGonagall's was very short mm-hmm. in yeah. comparison, even though it also um, was long. Yeah. I personally read about half of it because they made me stop. <laughs> because more things happened to this character, apparently. Yeah. So the one fun note out of this page is that apparently Lupin is Welsh. And I'm sure they did. <laughs> I'm sure they did not cast a Welsh actor to play him, but I. Um, David Thewlis no. plays him. But I'd sure wish that I would love to see a Welsh Lupin. I don't know if there's any Welsh actors in uh, the Harry Potter Please movies. give me Welsh accented Lupin. Please and thank you. Beautiful accent. Yeah. I love Welsh accents. She writes about his parents for some reason. I don't know why she's obsessed with this, making up stories about the parents of these. She did this with McGonagall, too. Yeah. There's, like, a whole backstory here of how Lupin was bitten. Yeah, apparently he was actually bitten in revenge against his father, who said racist things against werewolves. JKR writing this, how can I make this story more about dads? (laughs) It's not enough about dads. It needs to be more about dads. That's the title of this episode. So... Remus Lupin's dad, Lyle Lupin, was extremely anti-werewolf to the point where he was recruited as, like, a specific authority on it at some point and accused a werewolf who was generally passing. I don't know if we want to use that terminology. (laughs) Yeah. But... I don't know if we want to use that term and... We'll talk more about Fenrir Greyback in the future, so... Yeah. Also, Fenrir Greyback was... So in this passage, you find out that he's up against the whatever courtroom. And he was pretending to be a muggle vagrant. Right. Who had killed children. Like, he is a man who killed children. Yeah. On purpose. Yeah. Just, yeah. Um, e, you don't know who Fenrir Greyback is, so we just need to be clear. He is not a good, he is not a good person okay. at all. He is framed as, as a bit of a victim in this 
in yeah. this particular instance. So Lyle Lupin calls him out for being a werewolf. None of the other wizards around believe it. And then Greyback escapes and he and a couple of buddies decide to get back at Lyle Lupin by biting his four-year-old child. Oh, I'm fine telling you this. Greyback was known for, before the full moon, positioning himself (sighs) so that he could specifically go and bite and kill children. That sucks. Like, that is what he did, is he was a serial murderer who also happens to be a werewolf. Okay, yeah. And being a werewolf was his weapon of choice. And that's what they're describing here. So he, he and, and Remus Lupin's dad are both bad folks in different yeah. ways in this story. In different ways. I think you're supposed to feel more sympathy for Lyle Lupin because sure. he was correct. And also Greyback is a serial murderer sure. who attacks children. Sure. I mean, except for the, the thing that Lyle says, which is that werewolves are soulless, evil, and deserve nothing but death. Yeah. Which is specifically in the the thing that gets Greyback to be like, alright, well then yes. fuck it, I'm gonna target you specifically. Yeah, and then later Lyle says, like or it says that Lyle doesn't believe that anymore because he now has a son who is a werewolf and his son is still the same child that he was. Well... It doesn't say that it doesn't say that he changes his mind. Um it says it says he doesn't uh, forgive himself for saying it to Greyback. Oh yeah, you're right. Good point. Thank you for clarifying that he for me. He regrets saying those words to Greyback. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, works as hard as he can to hide uh Remus and try and find a cure and whatever. Yeah. This whole uh, hiding a child with a magical malady is a very interesting a parallel uh-huh. with something we will learn much later. Interesting. Uh, and also with Harry being also hidden with in a Harry, cupboard. Yeah. Hi, editing Adela here. Just to give you a quick content warning, we did put timestamps in the description, but just in case you didn't see that, uh, the next 10 minutes or so, we will be having quite a frank discussion of HIV and AIDS, the HIV and AIDS crisis. Uh, as well as touching on homophobia. So if these are things that you are not comfortable listening to right now, please just skip ahead about 10 minutes and then you should be in the clear. Thank you. I also do think that, um, so obviously the metaphor she's drawing here, right? If, if the metaphor is AIDS, then Lupin is the, the gay son, yeah. right? Although it feels like the metaphor she is drawing is sort of half-assed in that she wants the metaphor to be about the disease of AIDS, but she doesn't bring it through to, like, the association of being gay. Yeah. Oh, oh. yeah, definitely. Oh, E. Yeah. People aren't queer in this world. Have you? Not until they die, or until far after the books are published. No, that's, sorry, that's not what I'm saying. She's not drawing a parallel to being gay. She's uh... drawing a parallel to having... AIDS, AIDS, and she is not yeah. considering the fact that having AIDS also means you are gay in a particular social in the stigma social that she's stigma. trying to draw. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah, true. The stigma that she's trying to draw is based on the fact that only yeah. gay men get AIDS. Yes. But she is not... So we read this paragraph last week, I think, but it's worth reading it again. She writes, Lupin's condition of lycanthropy was a metaphor for those illnesses that carry a stigma, like HIV and AIDS. All kinds of superstitions seem to surround blood-borne conditions, probably due to taboos surrounding blood itself. The wizarding community is as prone to hysteria and prejudice as the muggle one, and the character of Lupin gave me a chance to examine those attitudes. She doesn't say... She doesn't say homophobia. Um, also, just, there is one werewolf in canon, including on Pottermore, who is good, and that is Lupin. Yeah. There is no other werewolf. And the way that she describes how werewolves live, where is that? Earlier on? Yeah. Uh, The werewolf registry was badly maintained. Werewolves were so shunned by wizarding society that they generally avoided contact with other people. They lived in self-described packs and did all they could to avoid being registered. Yeah. Honestly, the, the parallel that she actually succeeds in drawing makes reminds me a lot more of like the way you hear about leprosy in Mm. 
like I, I personally am familiar with it from the Christian Bible, but the way that having that particular type of disease made you a social outcast. Yeah, that makes a lot more sense than an AIDS metaphor. The stigma here is like, you have a disease and the disease makes you a danger to society. Yeah. Rather than, like, it's not like a, a social thing. I don't know if I'm... Mm -hmm. Making sense. No, you're it because it, it it's a social thing because of it's you don't want to live next door to a leper because leprosy yeah. is highly contagious and very dangerous. Yeah. You don't want to live next door to somebody who has, or you don't want to live next door to a gay person because they might have AIDS. Right, like right. that, which is what it seems like she was trying to get across. But yes, I agree. Yeah. yeah. Um, there is also another paragraph that talks about how werewolves live. This is beneath the section. It's uh, Remus now lived a hand-to-mouth existence, taking jobs that were far below his level of ability, always knowing that he would have to leave them before his pattern of growing sick once a month at the full moon was noticed by his workmates. Yeah. The Wolfsbane Potion. One development in the wizarding community gave Remus hope, the discovery of Wolfsbane Potion. While this did not prevent a werewolf from losing his human form once a month, it restricted the transformation to that of ordinary and sleepy wolf. It had always been Remus's worst fear that he would kill while out of his right mind. However, the Wolfsbane potion was complex and the ingredients were very expensive. Remus had no choice to sample it without admitting that he was what he was and so continued his lonely itinerant existence. So the Wolfsbane, this is interesting or like uh, sad to think about. The Wolfsbane potion existed. That's actually a good metaphor for the price of drugs. And nothing, like, nothing changed with werewolf stigma. Like, even though this thing exists and they could be treated and they could be treated if there was, like, support for them and this Wolfbane potion was made, like, available to the public without you having to make it yourself. Right. Yeah. It could lessen the stigma against werewolves. And werewolves would be able to live in society normally. Right. And, like, I, I think that the 90s was a different time when it came to AIDS and AIDS research and AIDS yes. drugs than it is now, where HIV and AIDS are something, especially HIV, right? Not full-blown AIDS, but HIV is something that you can live with and live a very normal life mm -hmm. um, by taking a very specific cocktail of drugs that are much more widely available than they used to be. And in many cases, if you are not with um, somebody uh, in a way that you can transmit it, or if you are with a single person, um, or with uh, a restricted number of partners, however you want to uh, copulate, um, it may never even come up outside of your mm -hmm. home, mm -hmm. right? Or your doctor's office. But I, I do think it is important that when she is writing this metaphor and when she is planning this metaphor, because this is more about when she was planning it even than when she was writing it, she mostly planned this in like 89 and 90. Right. Mm -hmm. Like that is a that is an even more different time than ninety two yeah. and ninety three. That is thirty years ago. Yes, yeah. is... and it was a scary, scary time to have yeah. HIV, and there was this huge social stigma. And I think with Lupin and with Lupin alone, it's an interesting, if poorly executed, metaphor. And it would be more interesting if she acknowledged that she acknowledged the like homophobia part of aspects, yeah, aspects yeah. of that uh, maybe that's the point where i want to circle back around to lupin's final scene in this book which is him basically talking to harry and and then harry to dumbledore about like i'm going to resign before people get mad about having a werewolf teacher mm -hmm. and like that's where the He's outed. I yeah, think this that's is, where the homophobia... When you're talking about that language of, like, passing and outing, that's this, is, where the, this is a good place to use it. That's where the homophobia, it. like, metaphor hits for me. Because mm, yeah. this is not... We don't want to have a person with HIV as our teacher. That doesn't matter. Uh, I would say Maybe in the 80s, 80s and 90s, 90s that would be okay. true. But, I mean, that was because of the association that they were gay. Not necessarily. There was an association with HIV common thought of people who did not do any research at all about HIV and only saw things that were like really exaggerated on the cable news etc thought that HIV could be passed by shaking hands true this is why I think it works for Lupin but not for the rest of the world yeah. community that she describes in this in these books right yeah. because 
I guess for me as, as, as a very young millennial, I see the homophobia metaphor more here. Because this is like... Yeah, and I think it could be both. I'm both, for sure. But like the... But definitely was not uh, meant to be. <laughs> she did not write it that way. Word is going to get out that there's a gay teacher at this school, is what I see here. And that sucks. Yeah. Especially it if sucks. you take I... into account the author's own claim that she wanted Dumbledore to be gay. Yeah. <laughs> and the fandom who have basically said, okay, no, 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 no. Let's let's wind this fucking clock back. Remus and Sirius were in love, and they were together, and they were of life course. partners, and they were gay or some some variety of it's queer, like, right? Like it doesn't yeah. have she, to be gay. She makes this metaphor and then does not follow through on, and then somebody's going to stick up for them because that is the morally correct thing to do. Yeah, yeah. There, Harry wants to. Yeah. But Harry is naive. But it's treated as, oh, but Harry just doesn't know the way of the world. Yeah. Yes, very much so. Good point. Uh, yeah, I think, I think there is more of an age difference uh, understanding here than I thought, because I am 30, and I do remember, even by the time I was old enough to understand what was going on in regards to news and things like that, some of those thoughts about HIV and AIDS were being debunked actively in classrooms. Mm. Yeah, I think for me it's a fatal combination of being a little bit too young and also being raised in a homeschooling conservative Christian household where we just didn't, did yeah. not talk about it. I don't think it was yeah. even in my, like, super Christian health textbook in high school. Yeah, That's I never fair. learned about it. We learned about it as um, both, like, this is... Like, the, the gay community went through this and is still recovering from it. And HIV and AIDS is more prevalent among gay men in the United States, but, and in the Western world, but outside of the Western world, HIV and AIDS is just a thing that people have, no matter their sexual and gender orientation and identity. Like, this is not restricted to gay men. But I, I would like to point out that if you are upset by this conversation and the fact that this is something that happened in the 90s and it still happens today regarding the gay community and the stigma against gay men and AIDS, you should remember that men who sleep with men cannot give blood. Yeah. Still. Yeah. Now, some of the restrictions have changed. I think it's like six months or something. There's some like month now restriction. For a very long time, you could not give blood, period. And now it is still extremely restricted. Yeah. And by the way, all of this blood is tested before it goes anywhere and does anything. Yeah. So if you are angry, contact your representative in your state, in your state senate, in Congress, in whatever government you um, belong to. Contact somebody and write an angry yeah. letter. Because that's how things yeah. change. And things have not changed enough. By a long shot. Yeah, so this is... It's a very nice, light yeah, episode. So, I mean, this is where I'm at, right? Like, this is really disappointing. The other narrative threads, super disappointing. Like, I don't know. There's just... There's nothing here for me. Yeah. That is satisfying to read. And I'm upset about it. Uh, one more thing I wanted to take away from the Lupin page, um, which also ties in with the Dumbledore instructions etc conversation, conversation yeah. is looking at this whole series from the perspective of Dumbledore being in control of literally everything yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> like and i mean i said it as a met like using games role playing games as a metaphor and dumbledore being a gm who doesn't let you make your own choices um, and that is the entire Harry Potter series and it's very clear in the it's put, painted in a light in a like positive light in the on the Remus Lupin page Lupin is very grateful to Dumbledore which is like fair Dumbledore took care of him when like nobody was yeah Dumbledore like specifically recruits him for Hogwarts yeah even when so, he's a yeah. child yeah, Dumbledore brought him to Hogwarts, and then Dumbledore brought him to Hogwarts again as a teacher. Dumbledore is the leader of the Order of the Phoenix. 
uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Dumbledore is in church. Dumbledore is indeed the dungeon master. <laughs> um, can I pivot to a different topic? Yes. I would like to, so this is the moment that I, I wanted to talk about Harry and his Patronus. This is the moment that I had mentioned in the, um, uh, in the previous chapter, in the uh, Dementor's Kiss chapter, is the moment where Harry realizes that he has to cast the Patronus. I'm just going to read something real mm-hmm. quick here. So he's convinced Hermione that like, he needs to go watch because he thinks it's his dad who has cast the Patronus. He throws himself behind this bush and he says, come on, he muttered, staring about, where are you, dad, come on. But no one came. Harry raised his head to look at the circle of Dementors across the lake. One of them was lowering its hood. It was time for the rescuer to appear, but no one was coming to help this time. And then it hit him. He understood. He hadn't seen his father. He had seen himself. Harry flung himself out from behind the bush and pulled out his wand. Expecto Patronum, he yelled. And out of the end of his wand burst not a shapeless cloud of mist, but a blinding, dazzling silver animal. He screwed up his eyes, trying to see what it was. It looked like a horse... It was galloping silently away from him, away across the black surface of the lake. He saw it lower its head and charge at the swarming Dementors. Now it was galloping around and across, around the black shapes on the ground, and the Dementors were falling back, scattering or treating into the darkness. They were gone. Um, and then I'll skip a little bit here. Uh, it stopped on the bank. Its hooves made no mark on the soft ground as it stared at Harry with its large silver eyes. Slowly, it bowed its antlered head, and Harry realized. Prongs, he whispered. And I think that that moment for Harry and for me as someone who has always found that Harry is my favorite character mm-hmm. is this hugely impactful oh, yeah. it's moment. A, it's a really... Because everybody tells him and Dumbledore tells him this in this book and Lupin tells him this in this book. You're so like your dad. You're so like your dad, except for your mom's. You've got your mom's eyes. You're so like your dad. But he's not his dad, he's himself. And I think this moment where he, he understands he hadn't seen his father, he had seen himself. Yes. He can yeah. do it. He is his own person is very much the sort of lesson that I pulled from that moment that I don't think is exactly true for mm-hmm. Harry. But mm-hmm. for me reading Harry, that's what I have always, since the first time I read this book, seen that as, is Harry realizing that like, Everyone tells him, you're like your dad, you're like your dad, you're like your dad. But he doesn't need his father to come rescue him. And he doesn't need the memory of his father to come rescue him. He is the memory of his father. He is his own person. And he can stand up and he can do it. And I think that that's a hugely impactful moment. I really like that. That is not a thing that I had. I'd never felt the impact of that really before. Uh, I, I was, when you first started talking about it, I was like wait, I have a thing that I don't like about this moment, which, but it's not related to the thing that you like about it, so it's yeah. fine. Um, which it. is, <laughs> um, uh, it, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to be able to, not like, aside from time travel, just not, make, just not making sense, but it doesn't make sense that this one time he can, cre- he can cast a P- Patronus without a happy thought. That doesn't make sense. He does it before, though. He does it during the Quidditch game. He doesn't have a thought yeah. in his head in the Quidditch game, and he casts a fully corporeal Patronus, although he doesn't get to see what it yeah. is. Okay, but I also don't think that he should have been able to do that there. <laughs> like, no. my point is that it, like, it doesn't... It works for him, and it works for nobody else, right? Like, yeah. And it says it says here, and he says, like, I, I did it because I had already done it, or I, like, knew that I could, yeah. I was going to do it, so therefore it works. But, like, that's not... Yeah, how the bell works according nonsense. to how it was written <laughs> yeah Hermione's like I don't understand did anybody see you what did you do and he says I thought I was I I was me but I thought I was my dad it's okay Harry I can't believe it you conjured a Patronus that drove away all those Dementors that's very very advanced magic I knew I could do it this time said Harry because I'd already done it does that make sense no Harry it no, doesn't, it doesn't make sense at all <laughs> You poor child. Yeah. But still, I'm glad you're your own. Person. I do. Yes, I it do is, really like. I do really like your hit. your interpretation of that scene and the the way it hits. Yeah. I just think that it is also a plot hole. I wish. <laughs> I wish that yes, the absolutely. emotional impact and like narrative like resolution for Harry of that scene was in 
like literally any other scenario. Mm, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Zoe's right. Like it is really good. It is a an important conclusion for Harry to draw, especially after the events of this book, which is so much about his dad and the legacy of his dad. Yeah. It's just it, it's shitty that it happens in in this book with these themes in this particular moment. And I mean like in that moment he's being tortured, right? Like he on the other side the the other Harry on the other side of the yeah. lake is literally being tortured by prison guards. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Although he is a 13-year-old innocent yep. boy. Mm-hmm. So uh speaking also, of that, me. so it's cool how the 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 minister or whoever's reaction is I was not, just going to say we should get rid of dementors but yeah yep yep that's what I was about to say <laughs> yeah speaking of like they <laughs> these dementors are out of control they attacked two innocent children let's send them back to the prison so they can continue to do what they've been doing yeah. this entire time which is like torturing people yeah 24/7 <laughs> let's let's do have some dragons at the school dragons entrance. are chill I don't know how dragons, like, are in in this. Just you wait. Compared Just to you other wait. fantasy tropes, but dragons are generally like intelligent and, and <laughs> like smart, uh, and very mostly yeah. chill creatures. Yeah, I love it when they Absolutely. are. I love it when they are. Anyway. <laughs> um. <laughs> Uh, there is a clue that I wanted to point out, um, regarding my great rendition of the Professor Trelawney. Yes. Gravity voice, uh, which I all hope you enjoyed on our last episode. Um, Harry says, you know, like I, her voice changed and it was really weird and scary. And was she making real prediction? And Dumbledore looked mildly impressed. Do you know, Harry? I think she might've been, he said thoughtfully. Who would've thought it? That brings her total of real predictions up to two. I should offer her pay raise. Incredible. Yep. Just wait till you find out why Dumbledore hired Trelawney in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> just put that nugget in t- into your brain. Just just pack it up in a little tiny box and label it with Trelawney and Clue. And come back I wonder to what later. that first one was. That's all of our major talking points. Uh-huh. Um, should we talk about the letter that Sirius sends? Yeah, let's, yeah. let's end with a lighter note, please. Before we... Before we completely go back to a lighter note i do want to say i do want to register yeah. one last complaint which is that it yes. sucks yes. that the story has to remove all of the this book specifically characters like they have to leave the story again before we can mm. end the book like yeah they're mm-hmm. uh obviously Pettigrew gets away Sirius escapes is it yeah and lupin and lupin quits resigns. before he's fired just like and so nothing changes right like we can't have any good things happen and stay. Yep. Ah. I think you'll find that that is less and less true. Yeah. Because this is not a spoiler. Both Lupin and Sirius are in book four. Yes. It just fe- it Lupin feels Lupin not as much, but not knowing yeah. what's coming in book four, it feels like we're gonna go back to all right, and then we're gonna do another one of these. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Anyway, let's read yeah. this good letter. Uh, they're all on the train going back home. And uh, there's going to be a Quidditch World Cup here. And Ron doesn't know how to say the word telephone. <laughs> ha ha um, ha. Ron doesn't know muggle words. Ha ha. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, there was a, a very small little speck outside the window. And Harry reaches out his arm, stretched it out, and caught it. It felt like a very fluffy snitch. He brings it inside. The owl drops this letter into Harry's seat and begins zooming around its apartment, the compartment, apparently very pleased with itself for accomplishing its task. Big same. I love this what a owl. Good little friend. I love, I, I was about to say his name, but we'll, you'll find out the next book and I don't want it's to spoil it. It's such a good it. surprise when you learn his <laughs> <Okay>. name. <laughs> so it's from Sirius and it says, Dear Harry, I hope you, this finds you before you reach your aunt and uncle. I don't know whether they're used to owl post. No. <laughs> Buckbeak and I are in hiding. I won't tell you where in case this owl falls into the wrong hands. I have some doubt about his reliability, but he is the best I could find and he did seem eager for the job. I believe the Dementors are still searching for me, but they haven't a hope of finding me here. I am planning to allow some muggles to glimpse me soon, a long way from Hogwarts, so that security on the castle will be lifted. There is something I never got around to telling you during our brief meeting. It was I who sent you the firebolt. And Hermione gets to be triumphant for a moment. 
Um, Crookshanks took the O order to the owl office for me. I used your name, but told them to make the gold out from my old Gringotts and all. Okay. Not, okay, I have to <laughs> Not suspicious at all. Yeah. What the fuck? A cat brings a letter into a post office and is it's like, this... take the money out of Sirius Black's account. <laughs> I just... Did nobody flag Also, this? can you... Um, wait, can you just take money out of a, another wizard's account on the based on a letter from a fugitive that comes on a cat. <laughs> is this account not locked? Yeah. He is a convict accused of killing 12 people. Yeah. You're telling me he still has bank accounts? <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Um, uh, I used your name but told them to take the gold from my own Gringotts vault. Please consider it as 13 birthdays worth. How did this not come to Harry with either a note of you bought this or a note of yeah. someone else bought this for you because one of those yeah, right? one of those things should have been considered to be instead true. it's no note because packages are sent with no message apparently from the post office completely it's so completely bananas and then he he apologizes for scaring harry when he's leaving uh the dursleys um he closes another note it says hi i said hi I, Sirius Black, Harry Potter's godfather, hereby give him permission to visit Hogmeade's on weekends. This, Harry says, this will be good enough for Dumbledore. It doesn't fucking go to Dumbledore. It goes to Minerva McGonagall, who does not know that Sirius Black <laughs> is innocent, but we will ignore that other plot hole. And then it says, hang on, there's a P.S. I thought your friend Ron might like to keep this owl, as it's my fault he no longer has a rat. And this part is very yeah. cute. Ron, who has always wanted an owl, right? Yeah. He wants to share the shitty family owl. Poor Errol, who is far too old to be doing anything, but living a good life sitting on a branch and eating mice. Um, Ron holds out the owl for Crookshanks to sniff, and Crookshanks purrs. And Ron says, that's good enough for me. He's mine. So sweet. It's very cute. Nice resolution <laughs> um, for Ron. Um, also, Harry says, uh, it's a letter from my, he's like walking up to Uncle Vernis and, um, Uncle Vernon is saying, like, I hope that's not a letter for me to sign. He says, no, it's a letter from my grandfather. Godfather. Um, God, <laughs> Jesus Christ, Godfather. And Uncle Vernon says, you haven't got a Godfather. He says, yes, I have. He was my mom and dad's best friend. He's a convicted murderer, but he broke out of wizard prison and he's on the run. He likes to keep in touch with me, though. Keep up with my news. Check if I'm happy. Um, so that's this summer's. This summer's threat against the Thursleys to keep him. God. Yeah, keep them from yeah. abusing him. Um, Last summer, it was pretending to be to be able to do magic outside of school. This summer, and it's this I have summer a Godfather it's... who's a murderer. That's right. and I'm not going to tell you that he's actually innocent. Boy, that escalated <laughs> quickly. Uh huh. No kidding. <sighs> All right, we're going to have an entire episode for wrap up, so I don't feel like we need to do like yeah, unless but like any final that. thoughts for these three chapters. My big thought for these three chapters is nostalgia is strong. Yeah. Nostalgia is strong. I am I'm holding on to tiny bits of nostalgia for the earlier chapters that I read like two months ago. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, like let's just all go write some fan fiction. That'll be a more emotionally satisfying exercise. <laughs> True. Um, so there's a piece of fan fiction that I really love that I have talked about before, where a Harry is a werewolf. Yeah. Oh. I'm sure there's many, many pieces yeah. of fan fiction about that. I'm sure there's also but... many uh, Harry is raised by some combination of, I mean, I guess just Sirius and Remus. Which is such a wonderful AU to think about. Honestly, yeah. give that to us. JKR, stop being... No, we don't need it from her. Stop, <laughs> stop being a turf on Twitter and give us this content. Except like five years, except like five years ago before you were a turf. Yeah. Thanks, bye. <laughs> okay. Um, thank you so much for listening. Please, if you have a hot second, uh, send us questions for Book 3 Wrap-Up. Uh, please send them to our Twitter. If they have spoilers, please send them to our Tumblr. Um, please at me on Discord, Zoe9400. I don't care. You know, just reach out. Um, but thank you so much for listening. Yeah, we really want to have a wonderful book three Questions wrap up. Questions or thoughts? Believe me. Questions and yes, thoughts are also good. Thoughts or thoughts on anything we've talked about in the, over the past few episodes, or anything we have missed that you think we should have talked about. Yes. Headcanons you like? As you can fan see, fiction you like? We are. Yeah, headcanons, fan fiction, fic recommendations, fan art. If you have a rewrite of book three, you love, <laughs> like just send them all to us.
So um, that'll be our next episode. And then we are hopefully going to have some movie watching. We do not have a schedule for those episodes yet, but we are going to do books one and two as one movie watch probably. And then book three is a separate watch. So if you're looking forward to that and you have questions about the movies, please send them to our Tumblr. So thank you for listening. I have been Zoe. You can find me on Twitter at Zoe Topaz, Z-O-E-T-O-P-A-Z. And you can buy my book, Ostentatious, The Evolving World of Jane Austen Fans, wherever books are sold. I have been E. You can find me on Twitter at C-E-L-1-0-E. I'm Adela. You can find me on Twitter at Aradel, A-R-E-D-H-E-L underscore underscore. You can find the show at Potternot on both Twitter and Tumblr. And you can find more music by our wonderful composer, Morgan Jackson, at wedidthetimewarpagain.bandcamp.com. Thank you so much for listening. Please send us questions. But we would love to know what you think. And we would love to hear your discussion points. And we would love to hear your questions. Also, hey, what kind of fan are you? <laughs> yeah! We're going through um, some different words with our descriptions of what type of fan we are. So. That's right. I am still jaded, but E is now conflicted, and Adela is uh, tired. What did you say? Tired, as are we all. So please tell us what kind of Harry Potter fan or not fan you are. Um, we would love to know. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>